gentlemen how you doing this is uncle earl your host captain and dj of the underground experience here in sunny hollywood it's kind of warm today a bit chilly at night but you know i can deal with it i hope you've been having a good time enjoying my black history month music session series the power of black music and yet and still another chapter awaits you i have an iconic and legendary artist musician producer writer Mr. Cornelius Grant. And he's been referred to as the sixth temptation, <laughs> meaning Motown's temptations. Uh, he was the musical director and guitar player, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I'm going to let him fill you in on a lot of things. But he's, he's written books. Uh, he's about to write, work on a film, possibly. And um, I'll let him talk to you about that, but let me just give you a few of the names of the other people that he's graced with his presence. Gladys Knight, Martha Reeves, Rose Royce, Edwin Starr, Marvin Gaye, The Commodores, Jackson 5, and Stevie Wonder. Need I say any more? I'm just bring the man on in here and let him tell his story. How you doing, sir? How are you? Um, I was going to uh, inquire whether I should call you Uncle Earl. Uh, I was gonna uh, prefer that because I, I'm I'm at the age where for me to call somebody uncle <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of 
pleasure for me since I'm considerably older than you. Well, yes. So for me to be able to say Uncle Earl yeah. makes me feel a little yeah. younger. So if it's okay. Yes, uh, I would love it. That's what I will refer to you as, Uncle Earl. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> My grandma would appreciate it, too, who's going <laughs> on into Greenest Pastures. Yeah. Yes, yes. So how are you doing today? I'm good. And, and I'm, I'm very happy that today in California is a, is a nice, shiny, warm day. Yeah. Because I have a lot of friends back east who are <laughs> crying the blues. I'm from New York, I know. Yeah, in Detroit particularly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> even though I, they're saying we have some some uh, colder weather coming, but I prefer yeah. to enjoy the day. I know. Enjoy that's while right. it's here. Exactly. So, yeah. Moment by moment. Yeah. Wow. So this is this is this is really great for me because we happened to meet last year. Yes. At uh, the celebration for humanity with Tony Newton. Yes, you know, and that was a very special event, and I'm going to being uh, uh, say streamed over of, of some various countries. And yes, like that, yeah. yes, so we got wide coverage on that. Yeah, got some good, good coverage, you know. And you came up to me after, and he's like, "Hey, man, keep in touch," yeah. you know. And who knew? Here we are. Yeah, who knew? Right. And we're featured in a magazine now, together. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Top black yeah. entertainment industry professionals. There you go. Shine on Hollywood. Yes, indeed. Look at there. Yeah, you know the the elements are working. Yes, they are. Yeah. You know when you when you do the work, you put in the work, and you you stay true and absolutely have true that to faith, the game. perseverance, man, because it's been tough. Let me tell you around these parts. I tell you, <laughs> particularly for us people of color. Oh yeah. <laughs> ah. But uh, as you can see, I'm feeling really political today. You see, I, I have see. my. My, mm -hmm. I, I did attend the uh, inauguration. You did? Uh, this year. I missed the first one. Nice. But this was the last go around, and we were fortunate enough in a lottery mm. to win tickets. Wow, really? And I was not going to miss this one. How did it feel? How did it feel? It felt great. Yeah. Even though it was cold. <laughs> Uh, I wore thermals for the first time in my whole life. Really? Even even having even living in Detroit, Detroit? even really? in Detroit, I never wore thermals before. Wow! This time, I it was necessary. Thermals <laughs> <laughs> and it reinforced the fact that I'm never going to move back to Detroit. All righty then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so did you get to meet Mr. Obama? I missed meeting him, um, and uh, because there was only two official balls. Mm. And it it was uh, it was like pulling teeth to try to get in either one of those balls. It was a lot of other balls, but I only mm -hmm. wanted to go to one of the official ones. Yeah, oh yeah. And the, the two official go. ones I couldn't get in. So, um, you know, I just uh, wallowed in <laughs> the <laughs> fact that there. I was I was part of history. You were present. That I can tell uh, my kid, my grandkids, yeah. and whatnot that I was there.
Can we step back in time for a minute? Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about Detroit growing up as a young man? Well, Detroit, well, I was migrated uh, to Detroit around age 13 oh, okay. from Texas. Mm, okay. I had started playing guitar at around age nine. Mm -hmm. And so I, I migrated to Detroit. I was raised by my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And my mom, uh, you know, uprooted us and brought us into uh, Michigan, to mm -hmm. Detroit, which was the first time I'd ever lived with my mom. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, and it was right at the at the edge of uh, you know, of integration. Mm. So I came to Detroit right into going to an integrated school, which I had never attended before because in Texas that must have been interesting. It was uh, segregated, <laughs> and to say the least. To say the least. <laughs> and uh, I got there in the middle of the uh, eighth grade uh, semester, mm -hmm. and. Uh, in Texas, I was an all A B student, A and B student, mm -hmm. and uh, so when my mom took me to the school to enroll me, they said, "Well, you know, we can't. It's in the middle of the semester. We can't right. really take anybody." Right. And wisely, my mom showed my report card mm. to the lady. And she looked at my report card. She says, "Hmm, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I think we we could we could take a squeeze chance. them in there." <laughs> and I went in and I yeah. finished eighth grade at McDowell mm. and uh, went on to Mumford mm. and uh, you know graduated Mumford in 1961 with the likes of uh, Jerry Berkheimer really people like that he was in my graduating class oh right now so um, yeah it was an interesting uh, thing growing up in Detroit mm. I started to play around town in uh, nightclubs Mm. Uh, I was like, uh, I get in nightclubs, I, was, I think I was 15 when I started playing in nightclubs, actually. Wow, really? So, yeah. So, I would I'd play. <laughs> I, I was too young to, I had to play, and then between get, sets, get I, had out to, of there. I had to zip the back and stay, stay in the back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, but the older musicians were very kind to mm. me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't know very much music, because I was self-taught, you know. Uh -huh. But they were very kind to me, and all they were interested in the fact that I could play. So it was like, hey, bring him on. Right. There was a guy who had left uh, Hank Ballard and the Midnighters group, yeah. and he was going to go solo. His name was Freddie Pride. And he heard me play in, uh, in, in, in the club one night. Mm -hmm. And he approached me. He said, listen, I, 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 I like the way you play. He said, I'm, I'm going to be doing my solo thing. I'm planning to do a record. And I got this song, mm. and I would like for you to play on this song. So I said, "Oh, okay, you know." <laughs> so uh, we we sat down, and and he started to sing the song, and I was playing some chords and played a little solo. He said, "Yeah, this is exactly what I want." So he said, "I want you to play on my session." Okay. Which which uh, I thought you know would be a local something. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> so he went to his managers. <laughs> And I didn't know that the session was in New York. Oh. And so you're 15 at this point. I was, yeah, I was about 16. At 16, this point. wow. So, um, he went to his manager, and he told his manager, okay, I want this guy to play on my record. Mm -hmm. And she says, but, you know, your session's in New York. <laughs> they got plenty of musicians in New York. Why, you know, he says, I want well, him. This is the guy. So, at that time... I took my first plane ride, 
my first trip to New York and my first big time recording session all in one. Mm. And it blew me away. I was like, whoa. So when I came back, <laughs> my decision was made. I said, this is what I want to do. That. I didn't care anything about school. Uh-oh. So I just really you jumped just in. passed and <laughs> I finished school only for my mom. Really. Mm -hmm. You finished I, early? No, I didn't finish early. Oh, okay. Matter of fact, I finished high, uh, summer school. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I wasn't really interested in school anymore. Mm -hmm. It was all about music at that point. Was a, a local blues singer uh, named Singing Sammy Ward, mm -hmm. 
who I would go sometime and play with him in the clubs. And then I joined this band called uh, Staccatos. And uh, we were playing uh, away from Detroit, mm -hmm. uh, a, place, a little place called Port Huron, which was right across oh, from Sarnia, Canada. Huron, yeah, Canada. Yeah. Uh, I, I finished high school, and then I was really concentrating on just playing. Mm -hmm. So uh, <laughs> we had a, a very unique situation in, in the band. The uh, band leader, who was a trumpet player, uh, I, I credit him for really allowing me to learn a little bit about music because he could do arrangements right. and a whole bit. And so, ironically, we had a drummer who was an epileptic. Oh. And we had a saxophone player <laughs> who was an alcoholic. Oh, wow. It's like the circus. So it was playing from a lot of pressure <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so sometimes on the weekends, the saxophone player would be too inebriated to make the gig. <laughs> so we would use a substitute saxophone player. <laughs> so one of the times we used, is we had a couple of guys that we would use, but yeah. one of the guys that we would use as a substitute was a guy named Henry Cosby, mm. who was already working at what was to become Motown. Okay. It was just Hitsville at that time. Mm. And uh, so he would come and play with us. He was impressed, you know, when we're playing. He said, look, you should come over in his family. You should do some sessions. And, uh, you know, and I was like, well, how much is it paying? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, the million-dollar question. <laughs> and he said, oh, it's, it's like $4 a side. I was like, $4 a side? <laughs> I was like. <laughs> That's a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, you know, I mean, f at that time, it right. was pretty good money. Pretty but, good. <laughs> but I was playing, you know, I would play at night. You know, I was making more money than that mm. playing in, in the club mm -hmm. at night. Mm -hmm. And then I had my days to, you know, play with the young girls and uh, mm -hmm. have money <laughs> in my pocket to spend. Right. Second long story short, <laughs> we had a parting of ways. I got sick, actually. Uh -huh. I got sick, and I, I missed one weekend. And I did not know that that weekend I missed, everything kind of fell apart. Mm. So when I called the band leader that next week, <laughs> And I asked him, I said, well, listen, I'm, I'm still not out of the woods, but I'll try to come in and try to do the weekend. Mm -hmm. He already had an attitude. Uh -huh. And he said to me, I don't care what you do. <laughs> what did that mean? Which surprised me. I mean, it, well, he was upset because I didn't make the gig because, see, during that time. But you were sick. Yeah, but guys used to play that game. See, during oh, that time, okay. guys had families. Uh -huh. So if they got a gig paying a little more money. <laughs> they were calling sick. They were calling sick. <laughs> Usually they would get somebody to substitute, <coughs> mm -hmm. and they would take the other gig for more money. Mm. But I wasn't in that position. I was living at home with my mom. Right. I don't know what he thought, but he was upset. And so when he came at me that way, I sort of said, well, okay, I guess, well, I'll sit this one out again. <laughs> <laughs> so the following week. The gig was lost. It was gone. It was gone. It was gone. You got 
the underground experience with uh, Uncle Earl and I'm Cornelius Grant and uh, you are you. <laughs> uh, we're going to go into uh, some things, some cultural things, um, uh, namely how things were back in the day as opposed to how they are now and some of my experiences that I had. Um, as you might know, me being with uh, Motown and the Temptations we came through the era of the 60s and uh, we we experienced uh, the normal prejudices that uh, happened to Afro-Americans Afro during that, that period of time. Uh, we went through the, because we were on buses a lot of times, um, there were people in the South who thought we were freedom riders because of that time. And so we went through not only not being able to go in restaurants and stay in certain hotels, but we were actually even shot at a couple of times. So we experienced that whole 60s uh, transition, uh, from, you know, during the 60s. And I've experienced that, but I've lived long enough to see uh, all of the advances. We still have a long way to go, but from my era, we never, never in a million years thought in our lifetime that we would see a black president. Hello. And I'm proud to say this second time around, mm. I attended the second inauguration. Mm. And it's a, it's a joy for, for, for me to be able to be here and have experienced this yes. coming from where I, yes. uh, where I know we came from. Yes. You know, and it's great to have you here because, you know, my dad, he passed away two years ago. But he used to have, we used to have dialogues about how times were, because he was born in the 40s, you know. And he was a migrant worker down in the South, mm -hmm. and he worked his way up the coast, you know, to New York to bring his family up, my mom. And then, you know, they had me. But I, the night that Obama won, we were on the phone together. We didn't know he was going to win. And when they said he won, I lost it. And, I've, and so I, did I, I, it was so much joy. But being that my father, knowing what he went through, I was so happy that he was alive to see that. My mom, you know? my mom just had her 94th birthday, mm. February 2nd. Mm. So the first time around, you know, of course, mm. you can imagine mm. if I didn't even think we would see that day. Yes. Think of what she would have thought. Wow. And so when she saw that happen, I was, I was, I was so happy. I mean, really, I, I, I really did cry mm -hmm. uh, during that first time. Mm -hmm. I was very jubilant the second time, mm -hmm. but the first time, I mean, it seemed like the whole world rejoiced. Yeah. It was like a whole new day. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, the unfortunate thing 
if I'm if, if I don't want to get too deep, but the unfortunate thing is a lot of the younger generations now do not uh, know uh, really from whence we came. Mm. They don't understand. They take it for granted. They don't they understand. They really take it for granted. And so some of them, even 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 at our age, some don't understand what was at stake. That's why, like, during the election, mm. I was very disappointed in listening to a lot of Afro-American people saying, I'm not going to vote for him just because he's black, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, why I not? Mean, <laughs> 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 see, see, my response right. to that, and I, you know, and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not uh, uh, a biased mm -hmm. type person. Mm -hmm. But really, I just felt like a lot of the people did not understand what was at stake mm -hmm. for us as a people. Mm -hmm. And so my response, even though it might seem a little, you know, edgy, mm -hmm. but I would say, you know, if we don't be biased now, when? Right. <laughs> and if not you, then who? Here we all work on the Mississippi. Here we all work. While the rich boss play Getting no rest From the dawn till the sunset Getting no rest Till the judgment day You don't look up You don't look down You don't dare make the rich boss frown Bend your knees And bow your heads And tote that barge Until you're dead. Let me go away from the Mississippi. Just keeps rolling. 
But um, I want to now talk about some of these artists. Okay. Once, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, Gladys Knight, Martha Reeves, Rose Royce, Edwin Starr, Marvin Gaye, The Commodores, Jackson Five, Stevie Wonder. Now, out of all of them, do does any one group or artist stick out? Not really, because you know, during the time that we were writing songs and creating, mm -hmm. um, it was such a co-op. It's like a family. It was like a family thing, mm, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of a lot of people ended up uh, being a part of a song simply because they might be passing by one of the rooms where <laughs> someone was working on a song. Yeah, and they mm -hmm. might be stuck on a on a on a part, and the guy would say, "Well, uh, what about John so and so?" -and -so? <laughs> you know, and they put a line in, it and they say, "Yeah, that's it." And immediately he had a little part of the song. Okay, <laughs> you know everybody was making soup. Everybody was making <laughs> so it was, it was that kind of a thing. And and uh, I'd like to see more of that today mm -hmm. because there's still so much talent mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. uh, the unfortunate thing also I think about about the uh, music today, as you were saying earlier. Fortunately, our music is still be, still being played mm -hmm. years and years. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm still being kept in snicker bars okay. from stuff I did back in the sixties. <laughs> I don't know if you know twenty, thirty years from now, if somebody's going to cover uh, <laughs> one of Little Wayne's songs or Snoop or whatever. I don't know. You know, maybe maybe so, but I just don't see the relevance uh, I, of. Uh, I really don't see twenty it. years from now. I don't see it, you know, dropping it down low and yeah. <laughs> in about five years, I don't know about that, but
how was the Jacksons? How was working with them? Um, they were what they were. They were kids, mm -hmm. talented, mm -hmm. particularly Michael. Mm -hmm. But you know, they were fascinated. I remember we were we were in a rehearsal uh, room at one time. They were rehearsing at one end, and we were at the other end. And I had uh, there was a company in Texas that had made what they call a guitar organ. It was like <laughs> the first synthesizer kind of guitar. Wow! And guitar organ. it played. You know, it sounded like a Hammond organ. <laughs> and I had one. And I was I hooked it up and I was kind of playing. And Michael walked all the way from the other end over to where we were. And he was just fascinated. He was looking up at this instrument like because he was learning. Why is he this sound sounding like a Hammond organ mm -hmm. on a guitar? Mm -hmm. And he was fascinated by it. Um, so he's always been, you know, inquisitive mm -hmm. kind of thing. And uh, so to see what he evolved into was not really a surprise to me. You know, not taking mm -hmm. anything away from the other guy. Yeah, so, yeah. But he was always a little powerhouse and always inquisitive and he had loads and loads of talent. Mm -hmm. You know, he could always dance. Yeah. He was always dancing. Always right? dancing. If you see clips of some of their first uh, auditions, you know, yeah. he was imitating James Brown. Yes. Yes. Back in the day. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you know, you knew, you sort of knew then that there was something mm. special going he on. He had there. a light on inside. Yeah. And yeah. fortunately, their first album, uh, uh, with Losing You, is a song that just seems to never, never go away. And it has uh, been covered by a series Everybody. of groups. Everybody. And so Losing was also on the Jackson 5's first album. Wow. Mm -hmm. you know, so later on it was covered by Rare Earth and then Rod Stewart. And then, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. So on and so on. Yeah. Yeah. But, I'm, you know, that's one of the things I kind of stick my chest out and say, hey, you know, I had a song on the Jackson 5's first album. Hey, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> so. Now, what about, what about with Gladys? Well, Gladys Knight, um, I had uh, uh, a couple of songs. Uh, I, I played on... Uh, their version of uh, Grapevine. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I did a song on them called uh, Take, me in, uh, Take Me in Your Arms and Love Me. Mm -hmm. And uh, it became popular uh, overseas. And Lulu did an album uh, dedicated to that movie, uh, To Serve With Love. Uh, yes. And it was on that album. So, uh, uh. you know, it, it, was, it was kind of big overseas. It didn't, I've always been looking for something better to cover it. <laughs> On this side of the pond. <laughs> haven't found it yet. And, and Still and haven't found what you're looking yeah, for. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I could use the bucks. I know, that's right. <laughs> Give me what I'm in need of Here I am, take me 
What song is this? Uh, 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 Edwin. Mr. Edwin Starr. 25, 25 miles. miles. Now, now, that is one of my favorite songs, and he is one of my favorite artists, and you work with him as well. Yeah. Was he as energetic in person as he was on his music? Because <laughs> oh. he had a lot of energy. You know, he had... I always, <laughs> always used to say this about Edwin Starr, huh. you know, and people used to say, what do you think about I said, well, Edwin Starr was never a great singer. But mm -hmm. he was a performer. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I told him, I said, I'm going to tell you something. Edwin Starr was still a show from a singer. <laughs> now, I was uh, met Edwin Starr right after, not too long after uh, Bill Doggart gave him that name, mm. Edwin Starr. What was his name before that? Uh, Charles Hatcher. Charles Hatcher. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, so I met him, and we were in, doing a little club in... in uh, Cleveland, mm -hmm. and uh, Marvin Gaye had out Pride and Joy, uh, mm -hmm. and so he was doing Pride and Joy on on, on the show, mm -hmm. and but he had he was doing it his way, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and I looked at this and I was like, wow, this guy has got some unique things. He changed some things around, mm -hmm. and I was thinking Marvin should probably put those things in <laughs> his show. <laughs> You know, so wow. he was very unique. And he was inventive back yeah, in the when day. He came to stage, and the guy was good. So I was able to get a couple of songs on him. Uh, My weakness is you is one of the mm -hmm. songs that I got on him, mm -hmm. and it did pretty good in, in overseas also.
there's the big man, Lil Steepy. Oh man, <laughs> boy, uh, it's amazing. I, I was, I feel very fortunate to have gotten a couple of songs on on Stevie, mm -hmm. um, and there again, Hank Cosby, Henry Cosby, mm -hmm. he was really the catalyst for that. Uh, so I came in the studio one day and. I was about to leave town, and he said, look, I need a, a song. Uh, he said, what do you got? And I said, I, I don't really have anything. He said, well, I need something. Give me something. And so um, uh, I play. I, I always had these little figures of like runs and things. Runs and, and things yeah. that I would play on guitar. And uh -huh. Sometimes guys would play off of that. That's how Losing You was created mm. and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So I played some stuff, you know. And he said, yeah, okay, I, I, I like that. And um, so I left, and when I came back in town, uh, he had cut his track. And uh, Sylvia Moy, who was, now Smokey is the, is the, is the poet, is the, is the poet of all seasons, I'm telling you. Smokey is the man. Mm -hmm. But there was another girl at Motown named Sylvia Moy, mm -hmm. who was great. It's just unfortunate that uh, she never really got, I don't think, the recognition that she deserved either. Mm -hmm. uh, I think she maybe got into some legal things uh, with the publishing company things too, but she wrote all that stuff, uh, you know, uh, uh, <coughs> uh, everything, uptight, everything's all yeah, right. Yeah, you know? yeah. I was made to love her. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, all those things. And she was just... Wow. Magic with that. Hmm. Because uh, they had systems, see, it said Motown, songs were done kind of unorthodox in a way. Mm -hmm. Often the music was done first. Hmm. Very often. They, they they would make sure they get a good track uh -huh. of music. Uh -huh. And then they would have uh, lyricists to come and write lyrics to the tracks. Wow. You know? Okay. A lot of songs were done that way. Okay. Well, I think we should let them hear some more music right now, okay? How That'd about be that? Good. All right, y'all. Yeah. Check this out. See if you can. Name that tune in five notes. <laughs> <laughs> Wiggly walks, he walks, it's 
woo, ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Uncle Earl back at you. Didn't I tell you it was gonna be juicy today? We got so much going on. We, you know, we took a little excursion, Cornelius and I, and we're outside now enjoying the sights and sounds of Los Angeles. And uh, he has some great things coming up the pike. I'd like to lay that on you. Yeah. What's I, going on? I'm, among the things I'm working on, well, I do uh, every Tuesday night, mm -hmm. I produce a comedy show at Barbara Morrison's Performing Arts Center mm -hmm. uh, over in Lamert Park. It's at 43rd and Degnan. Okay. Starts at 730 all the best comics in the city are coming through there. Mm -hmm. They love that room, and uh, I'm planning to make it into a TV show. It's really? Called, it's called Do You Think You're Funny? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it's you know very multi-racial. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's not like you know all Afro-American or anything. We have uh, Asian, uh, Persian. Mexican, everybody's coming through great, there, great. doing their thing. And the audience is mixed as well. The audience is mixed as wonderful, well. Wonderful. Yeah, so it's it's a good thing. And then I have a music. Uh, in a, I do a clean comedy starting at seven thirty, mm -hmm. and Get a little uh, dirty later on. Then yeah, <laughs> then I have a, a, a music interlude. I have a, a performer by the name of Hillard Street, mm. who's a prolific songwriter, singer, and a musician. Mm -hmm. And then you know. Then we start the raw show. Okay. And then all the gloves come off. <laughs> right. <laughs> Twenty-one and over. Yeah. <laughs> and believe it or not, most people they they prefer the raw show oh, for really? some reason. I wonder why. Hmm. <laughs> but, Let me see. Okay. And in addition, um, I'm uh, rehearsing uh, for a Motown type show oh, wow. called Cornelius Grant's Motown Review, hmm. and it's slated to be. Uh, put into the Beverly Hills Hotel. Nice. Uh, but I'm going to format it because I, I, as I start to put it together, mm -hmm. it, it kind of got, a lot of people got excited about it, so <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to format it so I can actually take it into maybe some of the casinos or something. All right, like you know, Vegas and yeah, Bank City. Yeah, yeah. so it's going to mm -hmm. be, you know, using the Motown music, but, right. uh, you know, I have performed other singers that will be performing the music, so. I think it's so important, especially for the young people to recognize and remember the shoulders that they're standing on. Oh, absolutely. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, I just think that it's, it's, it's sad that uh, a lot of the younger generation do not know from whence we came. Mm. Uh, and so I think if they did and really understood it, I think maybe they would conduct themselves possibly a, a little different. Maybe. Yeah. I'd like to touch on something. Um, you know, you've written so many songs and I want you to really talk about them but you, you you collaborated it wasn't like you said it was a family back then you know right. everybody worked together and threw mm -hmm. in their two cents but you had a person that you really was really close to you yeah he was yeah. Uh, uh he was uh my my neighbor really he, mm -hmm. he lived about four houses from me on, on my street mm -hmm. his name was roger penzabine mm -hmm. it, it was interesting nobody knew roger uh was white until after he mm -hmm. died because he hung around us and everybody, you know, he had the mannerisms mm -hmm, and everything. Mm -hmm. Roger was very, very good with, with, with writing lyrics and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So one time I came off the road and uh, I said, Roger, because we had been writing songs. Right, you know? right. And I said, you know what, we need to write a song for Eddie because, man, when Eddie goes up to sing, those little girls just go crazy. <laughs> Things start flying through yeah, the air, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I said, we need to write a song specifically for him mm. and it's right off the bat Roger said what about you're the girl I sing about every love song I sing 
Mm. I said, yeah. He said, you're my winter, summer, fall, and my spring. I said, that's it. <laughs> that simple. That's it. And we started mm. like that mm -hmm. and wrote a, a few of the lyrics. And then I was, you know, I was always in and out. So I left town, mm -hmm. went back on the road. When I came back, uh, the song was already done and everything. You know, it was done. Wow. But uh, uh, I always like to uh, refer to that because uh, Roger, I always felt that, uh, uh, you know, he never got his just due. Mm. Because he wrote, uh, I wish it would rain and please, please return your love to me. Mm. I can never love another. Mm. End of our road. All of those songs. Mm. And was, he was writing about his life mm. because him and his, his wife had a parting of ways and he just couldn't get over it. Mm. So, uh, the end of that year, that, that Christmas, he committed suicide. Mm. And then next year, after that, all these songs came out. Wow. So he never received a royalty check. Wow. Ruth Robinson and I wanted to do a, like a kind of a screenplay movie, kind of centered around that whole thing with Roger. Because it's an interesting, it's a sad story, mm. but it's also uh, very interesting mm -hmm. how a, you know a person as talented as he was can sort of get caught up in a you know, real life experience and it just makes him hmm. make a left turn. You swerve, you know. You know? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because he certainly would have had a bright future. He was a great writer. Hmm. How can people find you? What you know uh, one one way is to go to my website, which is www.corneliusgrant.com, mm -hmm. and uh, at that website you can see uh, a lot of, uh, of my bio and mm -hmm. see uh, and be abreast of the, some of the things that I'm doing, mm -hmm. the, the comedy show and and uh, the school awards and things like that. Mm -hmm. And you have and, also your social network buttons on there, like Twitter and Facebook and all that too. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm on Facebook. And Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, on Twitter, it's Lanchero999. Mm -hmm. Well, thank yeah. you for having me, uh, yeah. Uncle Earl. Yes. Um, I as I said, Uncle Cornelius. <laughs> <laughs> From one uncle to another. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Well, you have a wonderfully blessed day and on with up for soldiers. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So keep, uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. We need more of this. Thank you, man. To me, it's, it's important, particularly for us. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. From the man himself, Mr. Cornelius Grant, you never know who's going to drop by the underground. Keep on coming back. See ya. Ciao. I love you.
Ali. <laughs>